leaving college is a big change for everyone. I think no one really knows what to expect. You have to be careful getting yourself into a mental trap just because I'm doing a job today that I have somehow defined my entire path to the future. When they have a hundred pictures in a room after and they're all talking, they will fight for you over anyone. Taking that insatiable appetite and tying it with what you're really good with. Did you want to be a CEO when you were a kid or did that kind of just happen? It never occurred to me to be a CEO when I was a kid. If a student could articulate that, employers may pass out. Welcome back to Practive Passionate. You know those people that are always one step ahead of the curve? The ones who set the trend for what everyone else seems to follow? Well, Madeline Warholic is no stranger within this community. As an institutional services associate at Dimensional Fund Advisors, Madeline is a recent graduate who funded 100 percent of her college education through employment, scholarships, and loans. As someone who knows how to roll with the punches and also known for her flag football skills, she has excelled in her transition as a student to a full-blown working adult. Ladies and gentlemen, Madeline Warholic. Madeline, thanks so much for coming on today. In case our listeners didn't get from the intro how great of a company you work for, Dimensional is pretty much for the finance industry what Google is for the tech industry in terms of really being on the cusp of innovative thought. So you are in a great position from what we hear uh, and from what we've heard from you. So I'm sure our audience can really use you as the go-to example of someone who is working for a great company post-college, which is what all our listeners are looking to do. And you've been able to then focus, instead of you know finding a better job, you've been able to focus on being in that position you're in, happy with that position, and now you're focusing on that transition itself, things like moving, things like meeting new people. So uh, let's go ahead and, and let's break down some of that for our audience. So to start us off with, in your words, can you tell us how life is different for you once you've moved as opposed to living in college? Yeah, sure thing. Um, well, first, thank you guys for having me on it. It's an honor to be able to get to share all these, you know, lessons I've gained in the past couple of months with your listeners. But I think to start out with, I think leaving college is a big, big change for everyone. I think no one really knows what to expect. You hear horror stories of, you know, you should never leave and all of those things. And I mean, there's some truth to that. College is amazing. But, you know, as you move forward, there's so much more that comes with it. So I think within those first couple of months, it's just important to, you know, keep your keep your goals in line and just making sure that you're adjusted well and that you're focused and that, you know, you kind of have your ducks in order so that when you hit the ground running on your first day of work, that you feel confident in your environment, that you can perform well. But it definitely takes some time coming right out of college. Yeah. So I guess for you personally, what was the biggest, oh my God moment? Like the moment where you realized this is not what I had for four years and now I'm <laughs> a living, working adult. Yeah, um, I think that maybe happened about a month or two in. It, I mean, most people, once they start full time, have had an internship or two. And it's, you know, in the beginning, it sort of feels like that. But then you kind of hit a point where you're like, wow, I'm going to be doing this for the foreseeable future. And you're like, you know, you start to appreciate the weekends a lot more and you realize this is my life. Um, I think for me, it was, it was my, I just recently took level one CFA in June and starting a new job, moving and then studying. There was, you know, this point where I was like, I have no free time. And it was kind of like a wall because in college, we definitely are all busy, but you have so much more time than you would ever expect versus once you start working and you're studying and everything, you you lose a lot of time that you definitely took for granted in college. So that was definitely a bit of a wake up call for me and just to adjust my mind and the way I was thinking about things. I like how you talk about it as an adjustment to the mind. So it is something you can overcome. You can find happiness after college. That's what you're saying? 
Oh, for sure. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) if not, this world would be a very sad place. (laughs) Um, You definitely can. I mean, I think people that have convinced themselves that there's nothing after college have set themselves up for failure from the get-go. I think it's a... Yeah, it's it's definitely about realigning your goals. I spent some time trying to figure out, I mean, well, think about it. You spend, you know, most of your college life, you're like, what college do I want to go to? And then you're like, you know, what what major do I want? And then you go through college, you're like, well, what organization should I join? You know, where should I apply for internships? And there's these, you know, more short-term goals that have more of a tangible achievement at the end. Whereas once you exit, there's those smaller-term goals, but you have to actually stop and realign and think about, you know, what am I really interested in? What can I spend time, you know, where can I grow myself? And it's it's a different type of goal setting than you're used to in college. And I think that's what is really key to realigning yourself and training your brain to go through the day in, day out of work. Because if you don't do that, it's going to be constantly like, oh, I just need to get to the weekend and you not appreciating your day to day. I think we'll definitely come back and touch on the goal setting that you're talking about, the adult goal setting. To start off with, though, something we've touched on in our past uh, episodes is as soon as you get that job acceptance letter or you accept Mm -hmm. your position, you're not complacent. I know you definitely weren't someone who was complacent. (laughs) So when you got that acceptance letter, what did you begin to focus on? How did you get ahead in work before you got there? Could you walk us through that? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. I mean... I think actually signing that letter and knowing, you know, you know where you're going to go after you graduate is a real point to be celebrated. And it's not something to be taken lightly. You know, you work very hard for that. But after that, I mean, you can't, it doesn't stop then. And if it stops then, then exactly to your point, Alex, you become complacent. So I think at least for me, it started with, okay, I want to take CFA in June. That is my goal. How do I get there? Um, correct? I did. Yes. I did. Thank you. Um, and you know, whether, whatever certification it is for whatever industry, that's very easy, tangible thing to be working towards. Um, but then I think, you know, after I'd signed, it was, you know, my goals were kind of twofold. The first part, which you spend your whole life going after goals like that, it's kind of hard for you to relax sometimes. So I had made it a personal goal to enjoy my last two months at school and to make sure I enjoyed spending time with the people around me, which is very important because you definitely stay in contact with people, but you're never going to have that much time surrounded by people like that. So I think that's important. But in terms of professionally, you know, actually preparing yourself for that first day, I think it's just staying in tune to what got you there in the first place. So whatever the job may be, if you build up your skill set in coding for more of a role that you do, Alex, or, you know, for me, it was keeping up to date with the markets and making sure I understood what was going on, you know, from a global economic perspective, it just depends on, you know, whatever got you to that point, it doesn't stop. Once you sign, you have to keep growing because in those competitive fields, everyone's going to be working just as hard as you, if not harder. So you have to continue to have that competitive edge. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. So now you talked about digesting a lot of information and you're completely throwing yourself in the deep end and you're moving to a new city where you don't know the lay of the land. So what are some ways you gathered reliable information about Charlotte while you were still living and residing in Blacksburg um, and, you know, spending time with your family in Maryland? Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. It's definitely, you know, a newer city and most people you don't consider it as much, but Charlotte has so much to offer. I mean, I won't, I won't spend too much time plugging Charlotte, but it's a great city. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I think for me, it was, it was kind of a mix. Some came from, um, there was one professor at Virginia Tech that, I've been trying to push more people, especially finance majors, because it is a banking hub. Um, come down here and, he, you know, he had kind of mentioned all of here, are all these alumni that are there and here's this alumni. 
activity going on. Um, and there was a bunch of staff in within Pamplin that actually were very helpful in making sure that I was connected and actually, you know, in the right groups and getting the right emails. And I think that was kind of what got me connected in terms of my Hokie, um, Hokie group, Hokie group within Charlotte. But other than that, I think it came from my internship. I think when you start in a new city, it's really easy to just cling to a few people you may know the same way in college, but I think it's really important that you go out there and you at least try and meet new people. Um, so in terms of like when I decided, you know, where was I going to live or what should I do about cable or whatever it was, it was more leaning on the people that I had met the previous summer for my internship. But again, that came from pushing my comfort zone a little bit versus just the couple of people I'd known from Virginia Tech. And what were some of those online tools you used to find those answers for your apartments? Anything that come to mind that really, you know, helped you in that search? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm blanking actually on the name of the website. I think it was, it was a very, it's, it's pretty popular apartment website. Um, I'll have apartment to get back to you guys on the ex- it, it might have been. It was one where it essentially allowed you to put in all your parameters and it would build you a list of like, you know, these are things if you're willing to sacrifice on rent a little bit or if you're willing to drive a little bit longer, kind of helped. It, you gave it all the parameters and then it helped you focus on, you know, what you really wanted out of your apartment. And especially in a place like Charlotte where there's apartment buildings going up every day, it can be a little overwhelming. So I think just, I think more than online tools, I think it's knowing what you want out of your new home. I, it could be that you want to be close to work. It could be that you want to be close to, you know, your favorite brewery, which is the case everywhere in Charlotte. But it just depends. And I think before you make that decision and before you pick the shiniest place, you have to make sure you understand what, what you really want out of that place because a city is very different than Blacksburg and everything isn't, you know, right next to each other. So I think it's more how much can I pay? What do I really want to get out of my new home? Did you ever find yourself feeling overwhelmed with the plethora of information that you're looking at when looking at you know, websites, apartment information? So are there any specific things you recommend people should stay away from when looking at apartments? Mm, that's a really good question. I think you want to be knowing where you're getting the value from. So, for example, um, the area I live in in Charlotte, there's a ton of apartment buildings and they're all pretty similar and similarly priced, all pretty new. but you can kind of tell, you know, why one costs $100 more versus another. And honestly, that comes from touring the place. It's a lot of people are going to say great amenities with, you know, great closet space and all that good stuff. But I think honestly, going and visiting before, if you, if you have the ability to, that makes a big difference. Because before I came down and visited last fall, I was set on one place and then I visited it and I was like, where am I actually getting the value from? You know, why is this $300 more when it's the same distance and offers the same amount of things as this other place? So I think don't get, I think when you graduate and you're, you know, going to a new city and you're getting a new apartment, there's a lot of excitement, but you have to think, what, where's this value coming from? Is this worth what I'm actually paying for? So I think it's important that you actually can see the apartments if possible. And if not, actually just read reviews and talk to anyone you know in the city, because a lot of places will try and sell you on something that isn't worth it. So on top of visiting the place and really looking at everything that it has to offer, do you have any other cost-saving tips or hacks that you might have done yourself to increase and maximize your output there? Oh, yes, for sure. I think one of the main things is looking into the technology package. So I'll give you an example. My apartment complex does not provide internet or cable or anything. Um, And if you're not aware of that, you you're not aware of that, you wouldn't even be factoring that extra cost you're going to be paying each month. 
So, for example, I knew that I didn't want to be pigeonholed into a cable contract. So when I was actually looking at rent prices, I was sure to actually price in what Wi-Fi would be for that area versus a couple of our friends actually live in a different apartment complex and they had cable that was factored into their rent that they didn't know for the first three months that they lived there. So it was in terms of price, it's actually being able to budget that. So I think looking at the whole picture rather than just that one rent figure, because at the end of the day, utilities and what's included is going to add up very quickly. So I think you need to actually evaluate it from a total living perspective rather than just what does it cost to rent this apartment. Yeah, it's great the information you're giving us because there is just so much. You don't even know what you don't know when you're making these transitions. But moving on to more so your lifestyle since you've started work, and I can sort of relate to this as well, just the importance of routines, obviously, now that I'm in my you know 40 to 50 hour work week as well. But have you been, is your, have you found that your 40 to 50 hour work week has drained you where you're not willing to go do other things or have you created the routines that are getting you out of the house and where you're making sure that you're still living along with working? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question because that's very important, especially in your first couple months. I think it's a mix to your answer. I think to answer the first part, no matter what, you're going to have some weeks and some days that just take it completely out of you. And that's okay. You have to cut yourself a break there. But I think in terms of overall mental health and adjustment is you do need a routine. I mean, I think it's, and it takes some time to get to that right balance. Um, it definitely doesn't happen overnight. But for me, I know I, if I wait to work out in the evening, it will not happen. So I know for me, I need to work out in the morning and I start my day completely differently. What once time I approach it from, I mean, if I'm going to my workout class, which some days I do get a little tired, but I will wake up at 4.45 or 5 and Ooh. get to the 5.30 <laughs> class. I mean, it's the only way I can telling you after work, I'm useless, <laughs> especially with studying. If you're ever studying for a certification, it's that's when your a strict regimen is even more important, because if not, you will let that completely own your every day and it'll be very hard to stay positive and motivated. Um, so, and again, everyone has their own schedule. So it kind of yeah. depends and, and it takes some time to find that. I can totally relate to that. What I've done is I got into about, a, you know, almost two months of my work and I realized I wasn't emphasizing placing the the amount of importance on maintaining that strict workout schedule as I should have been. Mm -hmm. So something I actually did was I went ahead and signed up for a race, a competition. That's if, you know, if it's your kickboxing or if it, mine is mine is easy because it's triathlons. <laughs> There's tons of triathlons out there. But uh, you know, you could go find a competition where you're forced to maintain that workout schedule because well you've got something that you're building towards. So now I've defined mine as, you know, I go work out at lunch and then I'll also do something after work as well. Uh, whether it's, you know, I'll do strength, strength training at lunch and then I'll go do cardio after work type things. So I do, I agree with you. It's, it's about the routine there. Have you found yourself needing that end goal of what you're building towards? Like how have you been able to maintain consistency? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, no, that's, that's a very good point. And I think it comes from a, different ways of depending on the person. I think for some people like yourself, it's a race that they're trading for. Um, for me, it, it came from a place I never thought I would be someone who would pay a good chunk of money for a class. And I've never been someone that enjoyed workout classes. I always thought I was someone that, you know, liked that individual time and kind of reset. But for me, that changed pretty quickly. So it wasn't exactly training for a race, but it was more staying consistent with this. You're paying community. for it. So exactly. You you're paying for it. You better, you better get to class. And it's also like, I could even, if I 
had a rough week and, you know, maybe only made it once, I would go back the next week and I could feel it immediately. So it was more like, you know, my, I got to know my teachers and, you know, everyone around me, I would go, that would go at the same time and you start to keep everyone accountable. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think there's you know, definitely some pros of still, you know, working out on your own. But I think if you're like me and you're having trouble staying motivated, and especially if you're working a lot of hours, I think having that class is very important because it keeps you committed in that sense. Okay, great. So after you're all said and done, since you're such an early, early riser, you get to work, <laughs> nine in the morning, you're grinding it out. After work, what are some things you suggest young professionals join to meet new people as quickly as possible? Ah, that's a that's a good question. I think it depends on the city. Um, I but the good thing is, is many of the things I'm about to mention are present in most big cities. I think there's the main thing um, that helps Charlotte young professionals is there's these running clubs. So there's many breweries around Charlotte, and each day of the week there will be you know like a one, three, or five mile run, and people just go, and then after we'll just go and you know grab a beer and hang out. And I know my work in particular, that's something an activity that we try and do to really bring everyone out. So I think that's a really great way to meet people, um, whatever the event is. And then there's also adult sports leagues. I am yet to try one myself, but I have heard great things about them. And if you liked intramurals in college, that's another great way. And I'm I know that's here in Charlotte. I know that's in D.C. So yeah, I know I think that's D.C. Enough. has some university-specific sports clubs. Yeah, there you go. I mean, those are those are two athletic ways. But then there's also just um, even going to like one alumni event can introduce you to five different people that could introduce you to another five. And I think it's more less about the a specific type of events. It's more about the mindset. Um, you know, it's very easy to be like, oh, I'll just hang out with this group or who I work with. But you have to be willing to actually go out there and go to those events, which sometimes isn't the easiest thing after a long day of work. At the end of the day, everyone's been in your shoes at some point. Everyone was new, you know, whether good, it was in the past yeah. month that's or six months, framework. everyone has been there. I like that. Yeah. So people, apartments, job, workout classes, waking up, alarms going off. I think that's probably 10% of your list as you've transitioned and has a lot of responsibilities. So what are some ways in which you organize those little finances? Um, so are you saying the finances in like in from that transition into controlling all aspects of your life? <laughs> exactly. The, the budgeting, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think the tricky thing with budgeting is there's no one way for everyone. I think everyone wants to find the perfect app or, you know, will like to yield their advice on you that works for them. But I think it's a complete internal thing and it comes with time. I think personally for me, it's started in the beginning, you know, this is how much is coming out for rent and you're just kind of tallying up all the different expenses. And if you're as fortunate as me to have student loans, you got to factor in those and the timing of that. And I think it depends on how your brain works. Because if you're someone that can only have X amount of dollars to spend, you should, and if you have access to more, you will spend it all, then you should put everything away immediately versus if you know you're okay with a little bit on your credit card debt, then you can kind of balance it that way. But I know personally, I've used apps like Mint. Mint was a good one just to really just bring it. I was going to ask you if you, got, if you knew of any good applications that you or any of your friends use. Yeah, um, I think at least for in the beginning, Mint was a good way for me to see where I was spending my most money. I can't say I'm completely, you know, strict with it. I don't follow it to a T, but it's more to see two weeks ago and I'm like, where did that paycheck go to? It's a good way to kind of track that. I think that's a good one. Um, Being aware of where you're spending it on so that you can make the adjustments, right? Like awareness is the first step thing. 
Exactly. And then I think another part is because most people will get paid twice a month. And I think knowing, you know, with which paycheck, what needs to get paid out. So if, you know, on the first paycheck out comes rent and, you know, this utility and on the second one out comes this loan and being able to kind of guide that so you have a little bit of ease. So it's not like every paycheck comes and you feel overwhelmed. So I think it's more just knowing the timing of the month because that's the better you get with that. It's just going to repeat and you'll feel more, more in control if you know, you know, on this date, this needs to come out and it's not going to be a big surprise. So I think understanding when your bills become due and whatnot, but that, but that comes with a couple months of practice. Fair enough. So you're no longer getting mom's home cooked meals. So <laughs> how is Chef Madeline keeping herself fed on a day to day basis in the real world? Uh, I wish I could say I was some master chef and learning a bunch of new recipes, but I think at least for me, it's, it's simplicity. I, you know, like to, it, at least during the week, try and keep it as clean as possible. And I think going to the grocery store and I, sh- I don't want to say buying in bulk because I think there's some value add if you can meal prep and you can do it well. But if you're going to buy in bulk and you're not even going to eat it, then it's not worth it. So it's a little bit of, you know, an aspect of being real with yourself. You know, what what will I eat? And, you know, if I make this for lunch, will I actually be okay with eating it for the next three days? So for me, I know the first couple of days I'm okay with eating ground turkey and collard greens. And then on the second half of the week, if I want to go out to lunch, then that's okay. So I think it's being able, again, to be real with yourself and having a good balance. Um, that's the most important part. But some people love meal prepping. Um, I haven't I'm yet to get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like you've kind of struck a good balance. Now, just for, you know, you touched on a lot of things. I mean, you're dealing with a whole new life to really tackle. In terms of mm-hmm. your happiness, like on a scale of one to 10, where do you find yourself currently? Currently, I mean, I'd say it's pretty high. I mean, if I said 10, we would all know that would be lying because that's that's, I mean, it's life sometimes, and we're in the middle of a hurricane actually currently, so that brings a whole new one. In fact, yeah, Hurricane Florence is passing through Charlotte as we speak, right? Yeah, exactly. It's torrential downpouring, um, and it's very windy, but. Well, thank you um, for. Uh, I'm happy your electricity's on for this, then. I, and that you're yeah. safe, right? That's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, we're all safe here. It's, it's okay. Um, but I mean, I think I'm, I'm very happy. I mean, some days you have a bad day, and that's okay, but I think getting to this point takes some practice and it takes some discipline. I know certain habits that will put me in a bad mood. And if, you know, I fixate on something too much, um, I know that'll lead to me maybe being unhappy for the next day. And, or if I maybe come home one day and watch too much Netflix, I can feel an immediate impact from that the next day or even that night. So I think in terms of happiness, it's, I mean, it's, it's all relative and it's, Work can be very hard sometimes and being an adult can be hard sometimes and there's no sense in lying about that because it's the truth, but it's knowing certain things that will bring you joy and um, at least for me, it always comes from gratitude and, you know, there's many people throughout the world that are working a billion times harder than you and, you know, don't, yeah, haven't been, you know, blessed with as many things and I think if I ever start to feel down or whatever it is, I think of I'm happy and thankful that you know, I'm healthy and that I have the ability to go to work every day in an industry that I love and I'm supported by people around me. And I think especially in the first couple months, the adjusting can be hard and things like that definitely remind you of what's important um, and help you get to that other side. And in the long term, it's that true happiness is going to come more from routine and knowing, you know, what your future goals are. Great. Well, I think you've given our listeners a wealth of knowledge here. So we greatly appreciate you coming on, uh, talking with us, and we wish you the best professionally and personally moving forward. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. And um, last 
last piece of advice I would say is just continue to try and be happy and reset goals because the moment you, you do, to your point earlier, Alex, you become complacent. So never forget that. And thank you guys again. And if I've learned that from anyone, it's, it's you too. So glad to, glad to have known you guys to share that with me. Awesome. All right. Well, have a good evening. You too. Thank you guys. So doing a little recap here between you and I, Rashav, a little post episode review of our takeaways. I think that for me, when she was talking about the emotional part beginning, that transitioning into that long term thinking uh, and realizing that, yes, it is a complete change in your lifestyle, but it's okay to go through was a bit was was comforting. It's it's almost like you're going from a microcosm of society and now you get to be on a bigger playing field and have a larger life impact, which starts with having more substantial thought out personal initiatives like Madeline with her CFA. As for the takeaways from her move to Charlotte, I definitely liked the prioritization of figuring out what you're looking for when you're you're moving and, and the house you want to or apartment you want to actually live in yeah i mean for someone like me that's making that transition within a couple of weeks of moving to a new city i love that breakdown because it's really seeking to maximize that quality of life beyond just base rent yeah i also like when she touched on the budget the it almost seemed like it's just knowing what your limits are and being aware of the green versus the red month to month. So that way, when it comes to your coworkers are going out for lunch on Friday, you know that that's something you can afford. So you don't have to feel guilty for going out, but also knowing that you shouldn't be going out every single day. Again, going back to that, knowing what the green and the red is. Onto the work-life balance she talked about. I think that the realizing you're not going to have it, your routines right away but actually hacking yourself to know like how Madeline, when she was getting up in the morning to work out before work, because she knew that if she you know, got home, she wouldn't do it. So I like that kind of being flexible and, and learning what your style is there. And then on the second part here was remembering when that you're trying to make those new friends that you, you know, besides the few couple people that you knew from your school or your other friend groups that people in these established friend groups were new to them at some point too. And that, you know, they they probably will be welcoming. So I think that was helpful to me as well in terms of establishing, establishing myself outside that Virginia Tech community. I wanted to throw her a thousand likes, get up out of my seat when she alluded to alumni that come back saying to never graduate. Because really, when you look at the crux of it, they're the ones who really did not set themselves up for success early on. Strongly believe in the mantra that college is not the best four years of your life. I think if done right, it's a stepping stone to a better one. I agree with you there. So in terms of takeaways here for actionable items for you guys, our listeners, I have reading The Power of Habit by Charles Duick because I think as she alluded to here, it's creating the long-term habits that are important. So the more you know about the science behind creating a habit, habit the better off you'll be. And for me, it's really finding that al- alumni in the city that you're interested in moving. And ask them some questions. If you need help coming up with them, use the podcast as a framework. And get that bi-weekly big breakdown of your expenses and start tracking each transaction. Rishav and I realize everyone's needs and backgrounds are different. So we do offer one-on-one help where we'll review your resume, look at your LinkedIn, help you craft your answers to those typical interview questions, along with connecting you with people in industry. If this interests you, 
please email us at prackpassion, that's P-R-A-C, passion at gmail.com with a quick introduction. Now, if you have any ideas or topics that you want to hear from us, or if you want someone from a specific company to talk about their processes, then email us as well, and we'll find someone who fits the bill to bring on. Follow us on our social media channels, Practically Passionate on Instagram, along with Passion on Twitter. Thanks for listening in. We honestly do this for you. Our mission is to empower young professionals. We want to help you brand yourself because we've seen people miss out on the opportunity to have an impact they want to have as a young professional simply because they didn't know how to brand themselves. As always, this is Alex. And this is Rashad. 